0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today, we are discussing chapter... 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 chapter V... Oh, Roman numerals, right! <laughs> chapter 5. Chapter Sorry, five I here. know that was super corny, but it came to me as if in a dream. Um, Actually, my manager uh, has Roman numerals in his name. He's the fourth, and uh, people uh, apparently will occasionally pronounce his last name as if it ends in an IV
1: Yeah, my dad gets that with the third. It's pretty great.
0: sabo (laughs) Okay, anyway, I'm (laughs) sorry. We're discussing chapter five of book two of The Return of the King, entitled The Steward and the King. We will discuss this later on, but that's actually kind of an interesting title for this chapter because not a lot of the chapter is actually about the steward and the king. But anyway... We're still introducing things here, so uh, as always, we will talk about this chapter, Uh, but before that, Katie is going to enlighten our minds with a word in Elvish and uh, synchronize us with the history of Middle-earth, and Chase will briefly touch upon the events of last week's readings. Uh, Nothing important happened last week, nothing (laughs) at all, so anyway, uh, after that, we will discuss our favorite moments, both in the text and the past week of our lives. I am John.
1: I'm Katie
2: and I'm Chase and I feel like this week I should preface it saying I'm the one who's got a sore throat so if I sound weird or stop talking it's because of that
1: we're just gonna constantly cycle through everybody being sick it'll be great
2: which is funny I don't feel sick it's just my throat hurts
1: You're, it's the beginning stages but with that I mean uh,
0: it's how how is this podcast like the kingdom of Rohan because we're all a little horse oh (laughs) Oh! Oh. don't stop oh so anyway uh katie you want to take us away
1: yes so today is september 15th and yeah how about that say what
0: i said yeah how about that finally (laughs) we're getting to fall a sensible season
1: right which I, I, I cannot wait until it actually feels like fall Which it did the other morning But I digress On September 15th uh, Or actually this past week uh, Just to retract a little bit On the 10th in the year 2941 Remember last week I had talked about the White Council a little bit Well uh, this week on the 10th uh, The White Council was assaulting Dulgoldur Um. In the year 2941, so again, that was when The Hobbit was going on. Uh, On the 12th, just a couple of days later, in the year 3001, Sauron appears in Mordor. And uh, on the 13th, rewind back to the year 2951, Aragorn goes out into the wild... Uh, also on that day, but fast forward to 3018, Gandalf still has not returned to Hobbiton after he had told Frodo, Hey, we should leave. And that brings us to today on the 15th, uh, still in 3018. The reason Gandalf hadn't returned or not, uh, not to Hobbiton, but, um, hadn't met them at Bree is, uh, that he was captive at Orthanc.
2: Yeah. I remember about a year ago, September being very... Very important to us In many Mm -hmm. fronts
1: Yeah and uh So that brings us to the elvish word Of the day And today uh, The elvish word of the day Is not September (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh Do you remember though
2: Do you remember
0: what
1: The the 21st 21st night of September September
0: there never was a cloudy day. Oh, 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 Glorfindel, <laughs> say do you remember? Oh, I don't that. know why Glorfindel yeah. is the one that I went to.
1: Because Glorfindel is awesome. But anyway, again, I digress. I'm feeling punchy tonight.
0: Uh, hey, Chase, remind us who Glorfindel is. Uh,
2: my ear hurts. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Glorfindel was an elf who lived in uh, Gondolin and single-handedly wrestled a Balrog to death, but died in the process. And due to his valiance, was sent back to Middle Earth as a uh, kind of a herald uh, for the Valar. And then was the elf who rode on behalf of Sauron to rescue Frodo after he had been Sauron. stabbed. Wow! 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 wow. Awesome. If you're playing the talking talking drinking game, I think I just murdered your liver, so I apologize. Wow. (laughs) On behalf of Elrond to rescue Frodo after he had been stabbed on top of Weathertop.
2: (laughs) Wow. And Elrond is in this chapter. But anyway, Katie, what is the Elvish word of the day? Yeah,
1: Elvish word of the day. I chose rather than a whole word, I chose a prefix and uh it is cinderin and uh the prefix that i chose is uh means king oh. and i wonder just if anybody would like to venture a guess
0: uh is it roy no uh.
1: that would be french
0: well latin but
1: yes but yeah i know uh, I always go immediately to French. I'm sorry. It's the LSR? French grammar. I, don't know. I uh, don't know. well LSR would be uh, Aragorn's name, but the uh the the sender and prefix for king is actually Ara.
2: Ah. That makes way more sense.
0: Aragorn so are- son of Ara Thorn. Well, how about that chase what did we talk about last week
2: well last week we got to see we, we zipped over from sam and frodo to gandalf and the fight with the at the black gates and the eagles showed up and the eagles were like you know we've had to save you a lot of times gandalf's like i know i owe you and they're like whatever we'll do it anytime no matter what because we're the eagles um uh, and then Frodo and Sam are dying on the slopes of Mount Doom and then the Eagles show up and take them away. And then it's two weeks later and they wake up and Sam thinks it was all a dream. And it is the dawning of a new age. And the new year started. I just remember this part where Gandalf was like, it's the, it's the 14th, it's the 14th day of the new year. And they're like, what? how long we've we been asleep and it's like no actually now march whatever is now the new year so <laughs> we're doing that from now on and they meet up with the king and it's being built up as the king of gondor you're gonna meet the king you're gonna meet the king and it's aragorn and they're <laughs> like oh it's strider <laughs> and they sing a song about frodo the nine-fingered and they meet up with mary and pippin again And there was some other stuff as well. There was stuff that connected (laughs) all that, but I can't remember it right now.
1: (laughs) There was some other stuff as well as quite possibly the greatest uh, (laughs) summation.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) And so with this chapter, uh, chapter five, we start off again, kind of going back in time and revisit some people we haven't seen in a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... (sighs) yeah, true to the uh, narrative structure that we've had for quite a while. We go back and um, we were speaking with the fellowship and now we're uh, in in kind of current events and now we're backtracking just a few days to uh, before, you know, the the big moment occurred. And uh, we're back with everyone in Minas Tirith. And uh, Aragorn and his contingency have gone, and uh, the people in Minas Tirith are super bright and cheerful, aren't they? Well, so it <laughs> says.
0: I mean, and we recall, you know, the Battle of uh, the Pelennor Fields. It was gloomy, and then the weather got kind of nice. And it, it's you know, the chapter opens up saying that <laughs> the the beautiful days that Minas Tirith was now seeing uh, somehow were not capable of assuaging the gloom and doom that held over a city whose steward had died that was filled with a bunch of Rohirrim, but their king was dead and his body was lying in the city. And a new guy who nobody knew came and was like, oh yeah, I'm the king and then took most of the army away. Like everybody's just kind of feeling on edge.
1: Yeah, on edge, doubtful, uh, anxious. And with 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 good with good cause, you know, I I always feel that uh, the people of Minas Tirith are, you know, have lived with a shadow over them. Of course, being so near to uh, the heart of the storm. Um, but at any rate, we meet up with our friend, the Lady Eowyn.
2: I hadn't seen her since Book One of Return of the King.
0: Well, so let's take a moment and uh, recall who. Did not join the army of the West. Eowyn. Eowyn, yes.
2: Faramir. Uh, Yes, Faramir and... Mary, Because Pippin was there, but Mary wasn't.
0: Exactly. And why is this? Because all of them were seriously wounded previously. Like This was
2: like a sequel to Houses of Healing chapter.
0: Well, and it it starts out that way. But if you remember, in fact, the chapter of the Houses of Healing... Only half of the chapter was there. The other half was... Actually, no, there were two chapters of the Houses of Healing. There was the Houses of Healing. And then there was the other one in which, like, uh, Gimli and, and, and Legolas catch up. Mm-hmm. And then half of that then goes to the last debate. And that's kind of what happens here. So the first half of this chapter is at the Houses of Healing. And as it turns out, there are, you know, a few characters we know and love who are here that we're catching up with now. So, Aowyn is a little antsy and makes it known after two days that basically she does not like being held here. Yep. And the warden of the houses of healing is like, Listen, I understand, but you're not yet healed. And I was commanded to tend to you with special care. You should not have risen from your bed for seven days or so, I was told. Please, you know, like rest again. Now, do you remember what? I don't remember who said it. Katie, you'll probably be able to remind me of this. But somebody told. Eomir after the battle that Eowyn would never heal if her like basically Awen is a strong woman but she was you know s- spent so much time caring for a woman or for for a man she loved as a father but who was being controlled and was an empty shell and like that took a serious like kind of emotional toll on Aowen as a person
1: yes uh, it it was it was Aragorn
0: okay uh, yeah was it Aragorn yeah I honestly don't recall, but I remember this point being made about Aowen. I'm you fairly know,
1: certain it was Aragorn when he when uh, when he was going around healing everyone.
0: Yeah, it's Awen has more needs than just kind of that's physical yes. well
2: being. Yes, it was Aragorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that
0: too. So basically, that's where we are now. And Aowen this time, Aowen says it herself. Like she says, "My body is healed, all but my left arm." If you recall what she did with her. Um, arm she was holding her shield and the school basically just snapped her arm yeah and she still managed to uh with mary's assistance take him down um so i mean the the black kind of magic the darkness has been purged from her right arm thanks to the healing hands of aragorn but her left arm still actually has to reset the bone Mm -hmm. um you know but she says like my body is healed but there is you know i i She's. Uh, she, I, I I came to die. I came here to die, right. and I did not die. And I have to do something.
1: Aon, in true Aon fashion, is feeling restless. She, is, you know, she she hates being idle. She she did come here. I mean, she came here to fight with her people with, and with with her uncle and 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 to die, and did not uh, receive that grace uh, that that she had desired. So. Um, and, and she's you know from what we know of Eowyn uh, regardless she hates being idle um, she's, a, she's a woman of action and uh, you know uh, she, she, she's always felt like a warrior and uh, yeah the, the warden says well I'm sorry you can't go <laughs> and she promptly asks to be taken before the steward of Gondor who, of course, as we know now, uh, is Faramir.
0: Well, but, but, I mean, it's kind of comical, because she's like, who is in charge of the city? And he's like, well, the steward was burned, and then Imrahil was, <laughs> but then Imrahil <laughs> is gone. Also, Aragorn is maybe the king, but he's gone too. And Faramir is here, but he's like unwell.
1: Right. Uh. But but Faramir does meet Eowyn in the Houses of Healing, regardless, and... Uh, you know, it's clear that, of course, she wants to be out fighting with the Riders of Rohan. She doesn't want to be here confined to the Houses of Healing. She wants she wants to be out doing things and also, you know, being taken by sweet, sweet death. Uh, and,
0: and upon meeting Faramir, she's a little more tactful about this because she's yeah. like, I'm dissatisfied here and not because the Houses of Healing aren't great. Right. I, I could not ask to be a nicer place, but... You know, it is not my part to be recovering in a nice place while those I love and care for are probably dead or dying.
2: I am a shield maiden itching for a fight on the end of the world. So and that seems to be what's happening on the other side of the world.
1: Right. Uh, But of course, you know, Faramir witnesses her immense grief, but also her um, tenacity and of course her beauty and uh it says that it pierces his heart (laughs) um and how how could it not uh but then i i also like though because you know they're uh she's you know once again kind of begging to be let go to be doing what she wants to do um but she also takes note that uh you know that Faramir is clearly a great warrior as well Um, and says that you know like like he he, even some some of the greatest uh, of of Rohan would not rival him on on the field which is kind of cool so these these two people are are kind of equals in a couple of different ways I feel Um, obviously they're both equals right now in being as you know and as they say like kind of a prisoner uh, of the warden of the houses of healing because they're not neither of them is allowed to leave.
2: Um, well, also just look at their lives. I mean, both of them have basically been these like very interesting, well-rounded, um, yeah, powerful figures who have been kind of like locked away in the shadows. Yeah, yeah they've been due, kind of adjacent
0: to power, but it's never been their.
2: Yeah, exactly. Now, their I mean, and and it would say like the people casting shadows over them. I would ne- not necessarily call them bad people. But it's still you have to always think about like the situations that had like overshadowed them. Uh, you know, Faramir with his with his father Denethor and also his brother Boromir, and then you have um, Theoden who was under the control of Saruman and Aemir. And,
1: and Worm and
2: Wormtongue, yeah, and Wormtongue, yeah. Mm-hmm. So who I would say was kind of a bad person but anyway that, 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 <laughs> that's is the point but the point being is that they, these are two two figures that they should be best buds that's all I'm saying right they
1: have, <laughs> they have a lot in common um and yeah so uh Faramir is of course ever the reasonable person that we know him to be uh he's, he's quite wise um he, he understands where she's coming from, but says, you know, he he, he wouldn't advise going against uh, the, the, the healer's council. Um, so uh, she should stay here and rest, and he will as well. Though, of course, he longs to be out there, you know, fighting for his people, too. Uh, and... He, uh, he, he offers because Eowyn kind of laments that she can't even see what's going on she doesn't you know there's no word that's coming from the field no, and she can't yeah. see anything because her window doesn't look out to the east and so Faramir says well I'll grant you this at least I'll make sure that you are free to walk around as you please here um, you just have to stay here and heal but you can walk around and, uh, be sh- and I'll be sure that you are able to, to look to the east and I will as well
2: I kind of really liked that part because it kind of felt like like she's making this big plea about like needing to be out there to fight. She doesn't know what's going on. It just kind of ends with my window doesn't face these. Like it just (laughs) it just feels like this like 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 side note, but it's like the one thing that anyone could actually fix right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, the 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 one thing that you could that we could possibly uh, achieve here is that well, at least you can look out and maybe we can see some sign of something uh but but yeah so faramir and eowyn kind of spend several days walking together in the houses of healing or sitting or talking or not talking uh and they are able to kind of constantly stare out to the east waiting for some kind of sign of what is going on and uh
0: yeah, and well, it's there's a little there's a lot to talk about in this and I don't know if we should talk about it all but there are some things it says one kind of in watching this the the warden himself was happy because mm-hmm. says the warden was a healer and he was watching Aon heal. Uh and also at one point it says that kind of Aon is being brought kind of regal garments mm-hmm. and you know is dressing in them and is wearing in fact a a robe or a mantle sorry that had been made for for Faramir's, Faramir's mother, mother. Mm-hmm. and this is the only time we get anything about his mother really but what is her name Fenduilas uh, uh, yeah
1: Fenduilas mm-hmm.
0: so uh, who is Fenduilas or why at least why is this name you know why is this important to us
2: Well, Sorry, I'm, I'm checking again right now to make sure, because I, I, I fin- did highlight this part.
0: Uh, it's from the Silmarillion, the yep. name is. Really? And
1: again, n- not huh. not the same Finduelas, of course, but uh, in the Silmarillion, she was an elf.
0: Yes, she was uh, the daughter of the King of Nargothrond. Yeah. And... Dot, dot, dot. Let me see... Sorry, I'm looking over her... Ar- Article really quickly. Fenduilas, there we go. Despite her feelings for her betrothed, she fell in love with Turin Turambar, but he refused her in respect for his friend. So remember that story. That was an entire kind of episode of the Silmarillion Forest. So then Nargothrond was sacked by an army of orcs under the dragon Glaurung, and uh, Gwendor was slain. And Gwendor told Turin to seek out Fenduilas And yeah So Then then Fenduilas was Enslaved by the orcs of Morgoth In front of Turin
2: I'm starting and, to remember this now Actually
0: Yeah and so I, I, I am, It's like slowly coming back to me as I'm reading this As well so then uh, Turin kind of tried to rescue her and it says, with her dying breath, Finduilas begged the men of Brethil to tell Turin where she had fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a, uh, a story of love between an elf and a valiant man that did not end up well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what does this remind us of? Or, uh, well, okay. This reminds me. This is kind of like the anti-Baron and Luthian. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because very much. Baron Luthien, of course, the power of their love we we've seen what that did. So if Aragorn and um Arwen are kind of one, descendants from Baron Luthian and two, like a a a parallel of them, then you know, Faramir here being the daughter, I mean the son of Faramir's mother being named Finduilas, and knowing like about the relationship between uh, Fenduilas and Turin, uh, what I mean, what do what do we see from that with regards to Aowen and Faramir? You know, they've both suffered a lot more than we've really seen Aragorn suffer.
2: Well, I mean, maybe even suffer more than anyone. Some char- like most of the characters in this book, actually. Now I think about it, maybe second only to like how the Ring has weighed down on Frodo. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously, a... Tolkien really cares about these characters and wants to make sure you understand that these characters are important and you should mm-hmm. give a damn about them by having like so much about them.
1: Well, it's also a different kind of suffering.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's not really a point as much of kind of an open-ended <laughs> comment. But, you know, I thought it was important that his mother was named Finduilas.
1: It's Yeah, it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, but, yeah... Um... So, the, you know, Faramir and, and Eowyn are kind of spending these days um, sort of becoming good friends and waiting for some word until eventually that, you know, they're, they're kind of standing there uh, looking to the east and Eowyn sees the chaos that we, we now know, of course, what has happened. Well,
0: I mean, before this happens, though, like they are talking. And he, uh, Faramir appears kind of worried and, you know, she asks him why. And he says, basically that he, I mean, one, he worries about the people he knows who are there, but then two, he does not want to lose what he has found oh, in the past yeah. seven days. Yes. yeah. And, and Eowyn says, I know not what in these days you have found that you could lose. But come, my friend, let us not speak of it. Let us not speak at all. I stand upon some dreadful brink, and it is utterly dark in the abyss before my feet. But whether there is any light behind me, I cannot tell, for I cannot turn yet. I wait for some stroke of doom. So this is where we get to this moment. And I really want to talk about this before we talk about what's going on. What do you think Eowyn means when she says, what, I, I know not what you have found that you could lose.
1: Well, a- so Aowen.
0: I, yeah, I, I feel like there are a couple of different ways to read this. And I kind of want to talk about the relationship between them two, the two of them, after we finish the section of the chapter in a little more depth as well. But, you know, right now it is very clear that Faramir is in love with Aowen. Mm-hmm. It is not as clear if Aowen feels the same. It is clear, however, that she feels happier for his presence and previously we have seen aon kind of feel spurned by uh aragorn's rejection Mm -hmm. so for being the only really like strong female character in these books yet is this her being defined by you know oh she's falling in love she's being happy or is she not sure like you know what is What is going on in this moment? Is she saying that you have found my love and you will never lose it? Or is she saying, is she like, you know, saying, I have not yet consented to be your bride?
1: Eowyn at this point is still um, entirely hopeless and cold. You see a lot of... uh, um, talk and like not just now but before we've seen you know kind of like the iciness in Aoen um and it's it just for me it it continues to go back to her desire to be um to be fighting to be doing something and uh not to be confined um arguably she's been in the middle
2: of conflict literally all of her life so Mm -hmm. that could make sense Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and i think basically like what what that means is that uh that kind of thought hasn't even occurred to her
2: it's really loaded it's really loaded like section in question (laughs) like it really is like Because there's a lot, it is a very, Awen's a very interesting character in the fact it's really hard to pin her down.
0: And then immediately after this moment, however, it basically, you know, Awen says, I don't know what's happening right now and I feel like there's no light. And Faramir says, yes, we wait for the stroke of doom. And then they stop talking and kind of without even realizing it, their hands met and... They grasped each other, and then, as Katie mentioned, they, they see something happen. And this is, of course, we know, as, as the readers, the kind of cloud of, not just, you know, like, actual cloud of, you know, ash, but kind of the, the cloud of evil kind of rising up from the mountain and, and, and dispelling and they and even the, feel the
1: downfall of Barad-dur basically
0: yeah and they even feel kind of a tremor that comes all the way to Minas Tirith and says the walls of the city quivered and then Faramir says something also very very interesting mm-hmm. he says it reminds me of Numenor right and and Eowyn is not really as familiar with this which would make sense because Gondor ties its roots to to Numenor in a way that you know Rohan does not but you know what happened to númenor at the end of at, you know at the end of the Akalabeth uh well <laughs> the valar cracked open the earth and númenor it was sucked under and fell down and in reforming this uh the earth became round and of course what was responsible for the downfall of númenor Saur. Sauron mm-hmm. so uh it's a very, very interesting thing for Faramir to be saying at this moment. And again, I want to kind of interrogate his, uh, his intentions. Is he saying that, you know, he feels like the, the world... Because it, it's also not immediately clear. Like, as this happens, they, they kind of think, you know, but it's not immediately clear. There's a lot of confusion. So does Faramir think like, oh, this is the beginning of the destruction? Or is he saying like... Possibly, oh, it reminds me yeah.
1: Of- because they're, you know, they don't know what what's happening. They are they're viewing this from far off. There hasn't been word. All they know is what they can see, and all they see is this, you know, darkness emanating and this and feel this tremor. And yeah, I think it the uh, the, the the feel of it would be the same as to how uh, the sinking of Numenor would be would have been told. So um, yeah. But then, uh, because because so he kind of explains, you know what? Um, yeah, N- Numenor was 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 sunk and lost. And Aowen e- 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 asks, "Do you think, do you think this is, you know, now the beginning of darkness?" And after a while, though, they see they see the darkness break. And Faramir uh, says, "No, I don't. I don't think this is a lasting darkness." He says he they seem to realize it seem it, it everything is going for the better now
0: and what would happen but some friends we encountered last chapter uh, <laughs> come and an eagle basically says an eagle comes flying over it says he bore the tidings of hope from the lords of the west crying sing now ye people of the tower of Anor, for the realm of sauron is ended forever and the dark tower is thrown down Sing and rejoice, ye people of the Tower of Guard, for your watch hath not been in vain.
2: Yo, guys, this Blackgate was super... gate is
0: broken, and your king hath passed through, and he is victorious. Sing and be glad, all ye children of the West, for your king shall come again, and he shall dwell among you all the days of your life. And the tree that was withered shall be renewed, and he shall plant it in the high places, and the city shall be blessed. Sing, all ye people. So two really important things here. One, the city, this, you know, your city is the tower of the guard and your watch has not been in vain because that's not about this, you know, that's not about Minas Tirith and this one right now, Uh, this one, this battle, you know, this moment. This is about kind of Gondor as a check on evil, you know and minister as it's been
1: for an age
0: (laughs) yes as you know a tower watching over gondor like it's not you current citizens of gondor are successful although that is part of it but rather your line of men you know your you you have you have suffered and your proximity to evil has like brought much pain upon you but Your line has been victorious and you have succeeded and you need not worry. And the other important part then, uh, which is maybe more important is the tree that was withered shall be renewed.
1: So that's an interesting prophecy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Because, uh, you know, and and we saw uh, when, when it was when Pippin first came to the Citadel Remember, uh, and he saw the withered tree, and that was sitting in the that was standing still in the courtyard, but you know, withered and uh, quite sad looking. And he wondered about it. And we've seen that image a few times too. Um, just, just hey, uh, the white tree of Gondor is not looking so hot. So um, this uh, proclamation from the Eagles. Uh, that, that that the tree is going to be renewed, big stuff. Um, and so with this, uh, of course, the people uh, begin to rejoice and now the city is kind of beginning to make preparations for the return of the king. Ha 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 ha.
0: And among this, and this had kind of briefly been talked about earlier and we didn't really mention this, is that uh, Faramir and Mary have been bonding. Yes, because especially when Aon was addressing and talking to Faramir, but still being a little cagier, Merry was someone who one knew Aon and kind of fought alongside her, but two also someone who knew Aragorn and could provide context for Faramir on what was happening. Right. So yes, as you were saying, um, the people of Gondor are you know preparing themselves for the return of the king. And I've been saying Gondor and Minas Tirith kind of interchangeably, and it's because the text does that as well. You know, refers to Gondor as, or I mean, there we go, refers to Minas Tirith (laughs) as Gondor. And that's not uncommon to kind of refer to a capital city as just the people itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But also people, it, it mentions from all over the land have been converging upon Minas Tirith specifically to prepare for the return of the king. And then Faramir goes to Gondor, Eowyn Faramir goes to Eowyn and says you know Fair Lady why are you not going to uh,
1: to your people because Eowyn had actually called for Eowyn uh, but 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 she didn't she didn't come instead Eowyn this whole time has been kind of wandering the city and and uh, being sad Um, and so Faramir of course, being the wise person that he is, knows that, uh, of, of her feelings for Aragorn. And, um, I really appreciate this passage, because, f- so Faramir, uh, does not pity her. Which would be a thing that Aowen would not appreciate at all. Uh, but of course you know he, he 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 understands her her feelings uh he says he doesn't pity her and rather of course he loves and admires her and asks if she if 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 she could love him and so Aowen has Undergone an interesting sort of change. So we we've we have word now, of course, that you know, victory has been with this with the captains of Gondor, um, and you know the the Dark Tower has fallen. So the war is over. There's no more war to be fought, um, which was kind of her sole mindset. Uh, this this whole time was was fighting in this war fighting for her people. And now that's kind of gone. And Eowyn says she's kind of realized that, uh, you know, no longer does she want to be a warrior. Uh, She wants to be a healer. And also, interestingly, she says uh, she doesn't desire to be a queen.
0: And this, at this point, he says, but you can come and live in a with me.
1: Because I'm not a and, king. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. Basically, I'm not a king, but I am a steward. And the, he then he says, you know, we can have a, he says, we can make a garden and things will grow up with joy there. And I mean, he, he means this both kind of figuratively or literally and figuratively. Um, and he recall or he calls her the white lady. Yeah. Now, who else have we heard called? a white lady Galadriel. Hey, Chase, you finally got one of my <laughs> callbacks. Yeah. I did. <laughs> that one was pretty obvious, a little, though. yeah, she's a little more obvious than Fenduilas from mm-hmm. the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's interesting that he compares her to Galadriel because mm-hmm. while we have seen Galadriel have this kind of fierce and intense power about her. And, and in fact, that is, you know, when she was tempted by the ring, that's really what, was the um concern but but what makes Galadriel so powerful is 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 not that it is her it is the way that she has seen so much you know you recall she witness Galadriel is the last of the Noldor who was there at the first Kinslang and who witnessed Fëanor and all of that and she has only become powerful and important because she was able to recognize when corruption was happening and she ultimately resisted it. Would not and I feel ridiculous. like this is, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and this is kind of what we know of Feowen. Feowen? Feowen. I'm name. shipping people now. Yeah. Perry, you know, Feowen, that's Faramir and Aowen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Aowen tended for her uncle when he was corrupt, but it was her kind of refusal to accept that that made her the caretaker that he needed right. and yes yeah, so this this chapter I mean because so much of what we've had for the entirety of Return of the King really has been so action driven this chapter is incredibly deceptive because it feels short and it's catching things up but then you have these moments that I keep going yeah you know, hammering down on that are references to the lore that just you know it really it, it is so much more dense than you realize,
1: yeah, and you get a lot more um a lot more of these characters that uh you know we've met before and have and have discussed um some of their their points that we truly admire, but this yeah this is definitely a great development chapter for um kind of, i I think um
2: words I mean they're the two most interesting characters to me, even though i don't <laughs> I don't like to use the word interesting, but they're the most compelling characters to me because of the situations they're in that everything about them is so complicated mm-hmm. and so that they're they're not they're not they get to be heroes but they don't get to be the heroes you get what i'm saying yeah and i, f- I think there's I feel like there it's... Be. we could I be
1: feel like
0: heroes that... heroes <laughs> I, I mean feel like because... they're
1: uh it's it's more deeply rooted in kind of uh contemplation yeah uh but at any rate while um while this is going on and and uh Faramir and Eowyn basically decide they're going to wed and move to Ithilien and have a splendor- splendorous garden uh, <laughs> which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, preparations are continuing to be made in the city and now the captains of Gondor are approaching back from the battle and it's, it's great because basically the city, all of these knights of Gondor and uh, the riders of Rohan kind of come out and like line the, the entry
0: well, and and what's interesting also is originally F- Faramir asked Aowen like, are you not going because Aragorn hasn't asked you to go? Right. Only your brother has. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it says like, at the end of this conversation, it says the warden has declared her healed and she may leave. And then she says, alas, I would love to leave, but I cannot now. And so like originally she wouldn't leave because she was spurned by Aragorn. And now she won't leave because it would be it would not be right to leave Faramir for Aragorn basically like Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's more subtle than that but that's what it is Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, but yeah um, we're outside the city now Uh, they're coming back from the war and uh, the the Dunedain kind of approach with Aragorn walking ahead of them and but with Aragorn, also, we see Aemir and Imrahil and Gandalf and four small people.
0: So basically, yeah, the usual... everybody was like, this is four small figures that many men marveled to see. And I'm yeah. going to put my butt in here and I'm going to read this entire paragraph. And I don't care what you say, because <laughs> spoiler alert, this is my favorite thing. And this is probably actually maybe one of my like, obviously, there are better moments than this, but. This is kind of my random, like, oh my God, favorite thing from Lord of the Rings. But, so it's, because if we recall, people have come from far and wide to see this. And Eorith, who was the one of the healing, kind of, one of the nurses at the Houses of Healing, is speaking to her cousin, who's not from Minas Tirith. So she's real, she's being a city girl and being like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to educate you. And so Eorith says, nay, cousin, they are not boys. Those are and out of the far country of the halflings, where they are princes of great fame, it is said. I should know, for I had one to tend in the houses. They are small, but they are valiant. Why, cousin, one of them went with only his esquire into the black country and fought with the dark lord all by himself and set fire to his tower, if you can believe it. At least that is the tale in the city. That will be the one that walks with our Elfstone. They are dear friends, I hear." Now he is a marvel, the Lord Elfstone. Not too soft in his speech, mind you, but he has a golden heart, as the saying is, and he has the healing hands—the hands of the king are hands of the healer. I said, mm. and that was how it was all discovered. And Mithrandir he said to me, Eorith, men will long remember your words. And then, at this moment, she's cut off because the coronation is starting, and there are trumpets and stuff. So I, this reading this paragraph made me so freaking happy. It like, uh, brought me a more kind of just holistic joy than anything else in. Lord of the Rings has brought me because while what, what she says is super exaggerated in the way that people exaggerate things that they barely know to make themselves seem more important mm-hmm. at the heart of it it's all true
1: it is. Yeah. It it is all true, and it's and it's another example of like you know mm-hmm. remember when uh, Pippin came to Minas Tirith and he was kind of hailed as the Prince of the Halflings, you know, and kind of wild stories uh, went throughout the city. This is I I, I love how uh, like e- exaggerations and stories have have come through Minas Tirith, and of course Eorith, you know, babbling on about. <laughs> About uh, what what she knows to be true, uh, but of course, giving quite a bit of embellishment to it. Yeah, it's great because, as you say, it's all true, uh, but it's also kind of a, a little bit comical, um, and you know, exaggerated. But yeah, she's cut off because you know a, a horn blasts, and and Faramir is basically uh, you know commanding quiet with with he uh, now as he rides out. To meet uh, Aragorn and company and uh, he basically kneels before the king and surrenders his position surrenders well, and, his stewardship
0: and what's interesting is, is you know they're in front of they're in the Cormalan mm-hmm. and um, so Faramir is leading a uh, a line of people from the city basically yeah. yeah and it says with Faramir is Hurin of the Keys Um, and no others save that behind them walked four men in the high helms and armor of the citadel and they bore a great casket of black labanthorn bound with silver so at this moment Faramir basically says Uh, I'm the last to have gone I'm sorry
2: I specifically um, highlighted that the high helms of armor of the citadel and they bore a great casket of black uh, labanthorn Bound with server because I didn't know what the hell that meant at all. Did what? I lose y'all? Did I lose y'all? Yeah, you did. Uh, you
1: said, I don't yeah, know yeah, what the did. hell,
0: and uh, then uh, that's when I
2: lost it. I, I don't know what the hell that means.
1: Uh, well, okay, so they're carrying with them uh, like a box, uh, uh, some sort of box that clearly is holding something important.
2: Oh, and so and, this ends up. Be, oh, that's right. Okay, I for yes, some but reason. But it's not. It's yeah, not yeah, just
0: yeah. a box. It's a casket, and it says specifically that four. Uh, four men in the high helms and armor of the citadel, are carrying this. So if we rec- if we recall, there's kind of a, uh, a hierarchy to Minas Tirith, and the top mm-hmm. level is the citadel, which is reserved exclusively for, kind of, you know, administrative authoritarian purposes. So there's a specific guard of the citadel and that's who we are seeing bearing this casket. So Faramir goes to Aragorn and says, I am the last steward and I, you know, I beg leave to surrender my post. And Aragorn says that office is not ended.
1: Aragorn promptly refuses and tells him, no, you and your line are going to keep that position uh, because I said so. And uh, (laughs) so, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what I say goes. Uh, but re- but really, of course, you know, Aragorn being a being a good a good king, um, he's going to keep Faramir in 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 that line. And uh, Faramir now basically announces Aragorn to all who are there and asks, "I really like this, you know?" asks them if they accept him as their king.
0: Yeah. Uh, to which, That's to which, of course. Moment. Yeah. And then and then and then everybody says yes and Eorth says this is just a ceremony. this is just a ceremony such as we have in this city cousin for he has already <laughs> entered as I was telling you and he said to me and then she was kind of cut off again. I loved that yeah. so much.
1: Because Yorth of course is uh you know babbling on to to her friends and as you know as you do when you uh feel that you're qualified to educate.
0: <laughs> and so then Even if perhaps says you are something and he says, you know, in the days of old, it was custom that the king should rec- re- should receive the crown from his father when his, when he died. Or if they, that might not be, he shall go alone and take it from the hands of his father in the tomb where he was laid. So and we're breaking Fairman tradition like, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, since things are a little weird. You remember that casket that I had four citadel guards mm-hmm. carry behind me? I now just brought I that instead. And yeah. so... It's not just it's. It's not even a box. They literally brought the casket out of the tombs to this field, open it up, and there is a body. Oh, and also a crown, and they take the crown off of the dead body. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but it's just it's a little strange. It's the crown, and,
1: the crown of the last king, and uh, passes this crown now to Aragorn, and because
0: as he says in tradition, the the new king would receive it from his father when he died or take it from the father's body yeah and aragorn basically says oh, this is weird aragorn says i'm not gonna take it myself uh yep. you know i i am only here uh by the labor and valor of many and oh. so he says, "In this token, I would have the ring bearer mm-hmm. bring the crown to me and let Mithridates set it upon my head." Wait,
1: you're skipping something real big. You're skipping Sorry. something real. Uh, big. Oh yeah, the description so, of it. Well, uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's a great description of the crown itself. So the fact
0: that he speaks in he speaks in Elvish.
1: Um, well not just any elvish though okay so yeah you know the, uh, Faramir is going to pass the, the crown to now the rightful king to Aragorn and, and yeah this uh, and of course the crown is something to behold it's you know got uh, an emblem that should make you think about uh, uh, certain historical events um, so it's got kind of like glittering wings on it and uh, this was of course the emblem of the kings who came over the sea uh, and it's got seven gems, and then a single jewel, uh, the light of which went up like a flame, like a flame. Like and a Aragorn flame. takes Aragorn takes this crown and speaks the words uh. that Aerendil spoke when he came up out of the sea. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, because because to return to all of this, do we recall in this story? I mean, he. Aaron deal, we've Aaron, we've been talking about this a lot but this is you know near the end of the Silmarillion someone has the ability to i don't know turn into basically take on the form of a bird to fly across the sea Mhm. Mm-hmm. it's all it's all tied up oh it's yes. it's it's yeah.
1: it's so beautiful it's so beautiful but yeah of course to everyone's astonishment yeah aragorn's not going to just take this crown he he would like to have the ring bearer bring it to him and also to to, to have mithrander who has been his counsel his and his great friend uh he, he, he wants uh, he wants the two of them to have a hand in this so frodo takes the takes the crown hands it to gandalf who then finally sets it rightfully on aragorn
0: yes and i mean there's we've we've been talking about this a lot um but yeah, yeah you know i'm in, you know, i've talked about Luthien so many times and we talked about turun and fenduilas but and i've also talked about arundel a lot but it also is important to talk about the other um half of this which is elwing
1: mm-hmm.
0: who was married to you know arundel and you know it is it is from the Lineage of these two that El Rond And El Ros then you know That's that's where this began so this is Where th- This is where the Kind of the nautical but also Avian imagery comes from that's very Technical of me to say and kind of <laughs> Reduces the beauty of it but you know Remember the story and the beauty of Of, of, of Arendelle And Elwing because They They got the Silmaril from Uh you know, Baron and Luthien. And then it was going to be kind of corrupted again. And together, Arundel and Elwing were able to, to save it from the destruction um, that happened at the Havens of Sirion. And for this, you know, Arundel was, was, was sent into that. It's just like all, it's too complex for me to be able to talk about off the cuff like this, but it's these kind of repeated stories of the Silmarils, which, you know, contain the light of the trees, and and the lengths to which people go to to, to, to preserve, preserve this them. and use mm-hmm. this and save it, and then you see what happens. You know, when Sam was able to repeatedly use this light, and then now we have you know, Aragorn kind of directly tying himself back into this lineage with what he's saying at this moment. Oh, and also, what. What is important about the Silmarils? They contain the light of what?
2: The final... Those trees. Yes. And
0: what do we know about trees in relation to Gondor?
1: That... 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 That withered uh, tree that uh, Pippin had witnessed? Well, yeah,
2: I thought and it was... that a little... we heard
0: the eagle speak of? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean,
2: I thought it was a little bit... Okay, never mind.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and and that the, 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 the tree... The White Tree of Gondor—that is the standard of the king with the seven stars. Um, so, th- the White Tree of Gondor is a descendant of Telperion, the Silver Tree of the two mm-hmm. trees. And so, here we have the light from this is—I'm I, I, not—I'm not really able to ta- say what is in my head, and this is <laughs> my biggest failure as 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 a person, as an academic, is my inability to reduce complex concepts to smaller units when talking off the cuff but you see where I'm coming from here like it is all tied together and in reading all of these works kind of serially as we have the the the, the beauty of this really you just
1: you get the you get the richness of of the lore as it's embedded in in the within the Lord of the Rings which of course was you know uh fleshed out later um but it's just yeah you just have to admire how perfectly complete uh the the history is and how rich how rich it is when it all comes to fruition
0: and it's oh it's just yes and that's why this chapter which in any other kind of book in any you know even any other author kind of retelling this Story, this chapter would be the denouement and it would not be satisfying. It would not be something you would want to sit through and read. And, you know, as I said, this is kind of a deceptively dense chapter, but that's because we're not done. Mm -hmm. The destruction of the ring is not the end of the story. Yeah. Like five more chapters after this, for one. Well, but I don't even mean the story as in The Lord of the Rings because clearly this is not the story. I mean, The Lord of the Rings is the story of the fellowship effectively and of the ring bearer more specifically, but it is a component of a much greater story, uh, stretching back to, 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 you know, to a creation and dealing with corruption throughout. Mm -hmm. And And, they're all, all, yes.
1: Oh, and I was just going to say that, you know, kind of the end of this, um, the end of this chapter really, uh, neatly and, uh, nicely brings up another, um, element of that which we'll get to in just a few minutes but uh so aragorn has now been crowned king and of course he's a sight to behold and we get a great you know we've had these moments before like uh you know when when they were kind of uh like in, in the boats on the river anduin and uh i think it's frodo who looks up and sees aragorn and you know, just notices his kind of like kingly presence, and it it's happened, you know, several times. Members of our fellowship have, you know, looked to Strider and thought that he seemed like oddly powerful, uh, in 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 this moment, uh, here and there. And now it's like. It, it's like that to the nth power like people the people kind of are looking at, at at aragorn and you know faramir says behold the king and behold the king indeed because he looks tall and mighty and old but also you know in in the prime of of his life um and i mean by old i mean kind of like you know stately and 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 um like powerful uh and it's and it's great and, you know, with the crowning of the rightful king, of course, uh, Minas Tirith continues to rebuild, and uh, the city is kind of coming back into prosperity, and there are ambassadors coming from all over to come uh, uh, seek, uh, seek counsel of the king. And,
0: and And the king does a lot of great things. He pardons, pardons a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the Easterlings and the people of Harad he makes peace with and he releases the slaves of Mordor and even gives them their own land um, and then there's one that's very specifically mentioned which Baragon. is Baragon Baragon yes you see very excited about this yeah because so this you... part made
2: me so happy well okay it made me sad but made me happy because Aragorn does dispel some justice upon him because he says like yeah what you did was wrong it was very, mm-hmm. very wrong. You need to be thrown out of the city for what you did, and you need to lose your job.
0: However, well, remind us, remind us, remind us what his crime was.
2: Baragon attacked his fellow guards in order to protect Faramir from Denethor's um, mm-hmm. craziness. But and that's why and, Aragorn and, and notes, defiled
0: a sacred part of the uh, city. Yeah, and defiled so. a
2: sacred part of the city by doing so. But it was not lost on to Aragorn that. He did so to protect Faramir, that there was a noble Mm -hmm. cause behind it. So it's like, yes, by the laws of this, I should kill you. But in reality, I'm going to kick you out of the city. And at first, Baragorn's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And it's like, but I'm going to send you off to go be a guard for Faramir, not in Minas Tirith. And I was like,
0: "Mm." and Not just a guard, you are the captain of the the weapon. The captain. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Because, so, you know, Aragorn basically gives Ithilion to Faramir, that's going to be his land now, but I I just have to, like, love this, because Aragorn is clearly saying, you know, like, so, Baragond, um, I have to expel you from the city, because it's written, and it's law, and what you did was wrong, Uh, but thank you for doing it, I like that you did, and so, uh, here as your punishment, you will be captain of a guard. (laughs)
0: Well, you will be <laughs> captain will with the guard f- for the man who... F- for you... the man whose life
1: you saved, yeah. yeah.
0: This is, uh, for those of you who have read Dante, this is the contrapposto at work. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then the last person really in this line that Aragorn meets with is Eomer, who is now king of Rohan. hmm And they're talking about, basically just kind of like, there's a great love between them and trust because they they basically how, you know they view each other as brothers now. They're and Aragorn been, says, um, "You know, Theoden is 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 honored in the city, and if they, you would prefer, he can lay here forever. However, we can well, and bring, not we can re- not
1: not just in the city though." Specifically in the Hall of the Kings of Gondor. Yeah. Um, so that's you know, a, a that's a great honor. And um yeah, so you know, says he's you're he's he is free to rest here as long as you wish or, you know, we can ensure that he will be taken back to Rohan. And of course that's what, you know, Eomer needs must has to go back to Rohan and kind of um uh Assess the state of his people and ensure that all, that all is well. And they are going to come back for Theoden and give him a proper burial in, in his home. Uh, and Aon will go with as well to ensure that uh, her uncle's given the proper burial. And that's something that I just have to appreciate over and over again because we have seen several times throughout um, throughout this story the importance of uh, honoring the dead with with proper burials.
0: And so then basically everybody's left, except it says, uh, cause you know, all, like Amr leaves and, um, you know, Elrond's sons leave and everybody kind of leaves except for says the hobbits which who remained in Mensirith with Legolas and Gemli for Aragorn was loath for the fellowship to be dissolved.
1: Yeah. So Aragorn specifically asks them to stay too. says, uh, basically says he wants his friends there for a special day. The, uh, the events of that special day, he does not divulge.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, he says a day draws near that I've looked for in all the years of my manhood and when it comes I would have my friends beside me <clears throat> and so they're all kind of wondering what this could be and I love this moment they're sharing a house together mm-hmm. um but Frodo it says is speaking to Gandalf yes like, do, <laughs> do you know what this day is that everyone speaks of for we are happy here and I don't wish to go but the days are running away and Bilbo is waiting
1: mm-hmm. and Gandalf and
0: Shire is my home
1: and Gandalf responds in Gandalf speak, in typical Gandalf speak. Uh, and it says, you know, it s- says something along the lines of, you know, Bilbo knows what this day is, but, uh, so, so, so don't worry. Um, and, I, and Frodo then cracks wise about basically what Pippin had said earlier. Well, first
0: off though, Gandalf also says, Bilbo knows what this day is and he is waiting for it as well. And he says, as for the passing of days, It is now only May and a high summer is not yet in. And though all things may seem changed as if an age of the world had gone by, yet to the trees and the grass, it is less than a year since you set out. Mm -hmm. And then this is when Frodo wisecracks.
1: Okay. I was just wondering if there was significance to that. Um, Well, yeah, I think (laughs) there's
0: significance to the fact that Gandalf is like, your quest has been less than a year at this point.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, uh, you remember Pippin had said that, uh, that, that Gandalf seemed changed and, uh, had just dis- meant described him as being like less close than he used to be. And Frodo, uh, kind of makes, makes a joke about that. He says, well, he must've just been tired because he's back to, um, Gandalf speak again. <laughs> and I like that a lot.
0: Yeah.
1: Frodo seems to be in good spirits.
0: And then this is very deceptive. It says, there came a day when Gandalf could not be found. The companions wondered what was going on. And so we think, oh, is this the day that we've been waiting for? But no. In fact, Gandalf and Aragorn are off doing something only to themselves. Gandalf leads Aragorn to a path, kind of a hidden path uh, at the feet of Mount Mandalawin. This is the mountain upon which the side of Urobrob. That middle is built upon, and they Gandalf basically reveals a path that was built long, long, long ago, and um, so Gandalf and Aragorn trek up this path, and says it's kind of treacherous, and like nobody really would trek up this path. So, you know, and they 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 reach a a a plain just below the snow line of of the mountain, and are looking out of at all of the Vale of Anduin and seeing. Everything this is the mountains of shadow are veiled in a golden mist. Uh, and on one side, they see the Emon wheel and the others, they see the gear, And, you know, beyond that was the light on the hymn of the sky that spoke of the sea. And Gandalf says something just incredibly beautiful. And it's too much really to say here, especially because this episode is already very long. But Gandalf says, this is your realm. And to earth is the heart of this. The third age of the world has ended. And Gandalf says... The power of the three rings is ended.
1: Yep, and this is this was uh, what I had alluded to earlier. That is um, just another uh, another point to drive home that uh, so it's 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 bittersweet. It's going to get even bittersweeter uh, later. But um, yeah, as you know, as we've mentioned before, you know, this is kind of the end of an era. Uh, the, the end of a third age you know ages in Middle-earth are marked by important events um, and so this one being you know the end of of Sauron the downfall of Sauron the war is over and now comes Aragorn's reign as the king of men and also kind of the time the heyday of man um, the
0: dominion of men as the as dominion
1: of men yeah
0: Mithrandir puts it in yeah we we've touched upon this many times, and it's not worth going back into. But the power of the the three rings are have diminished. Those were the three rings given to the elves, um, originally to uh, Galadriel and Elrond and Cirdan the shipwright, and their power was kind of inextricably tied to the power of the One Ring, which has obviously been destroyed. So, in destroying that, they no longer have the ability to protect the realms of Rivendell and. Lorian. So the right. point is,
2: all the magic of the world is going to dissipate and be replaced. Well, by... Well, not this, all the magic, but the world, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. The the like magic. The, magic. The, the elves, magic.
0: <laughs> the, the elves the... are no longer the caretakers, right? right. <laughs> and
1: the t- the time of the elves is coming to a close, uh, because yeah, they're you know the the power by which they've been able to guard and kind of cultivate and maintain their uh, their lands is dissipating. And and, and Aragorn's and,
0: response to this is, you know, I am but a man. You know, I am a I am descended from Numenor and I will live longer than most men will, but my days will end and you know how how can this be my dominion if I will leave and you know how, how And also What is to happen to a land ruled by mortals basically?
1: Also, you know, Aragorn specifically says he wishes That Gandalf would stay but you know like the elves Gandalf's time is here is coming to a close his work his his work his what he was sent here to do uh, and as he's done so well as we've noted is to guide the free peoples of Middle-earth to fight against Sauron to 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 maintain the goodness in the world and uh, that job is now done and his time here is coming to an end and Aragorn worries because you know as he says I'm a mortal man what's going to happen when uh, when I'm old and when I die and I'm gone and uh, you know who's going to take care of Gondor after I'm gone and also the tree is still withered Gandalf the tree is still withered what are we to do
0: and Gandalf's response to this is very interesting yes Gandalf says look away from the green world and look where all seems barren and cold yeah, and Aragorn turns around and basically sees a sapling. But just and, that
1: that line though. Look yes. away from the green world. Look away from the time of the Eldar. Look away from that, and look towards where. Yes, you think it all seems barren and cold. Where you think this that uh, you, you wonder what's going to happen when you are gone. It, you know how is Gondor going to going to continue to thrive? Who's going to watch over it? Look there, and and what does he find?
0: A sapling of the white tree. Mm -hmm. And they talk about this a little bit, but basically, Gandalf says, Yes, this is the sapling of the white tree, which is descended from this is a seedling of Galathilian, which is a fruit from Telperion through many names. And so he says, Your line is old, King Elisar, but the line of the trees back. Or of this tree back to Telipurian is far older, mm-hmm. and it's just again this beautiful concept that I can't even begin to try to explain.
1: Well, the the idea that you know this this light and this goodness and this beauty in the world has been from the very beginning, and it's going to continue as long as it is maintained and cultivated by uh, by those who keep it yeah love it because because that's yeah you know that it was mentioned you know yeah you must take care that when it bears a fruit you have to you know it that's 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 how it continues on you know but um yeah i know that's just that that whole imagery in this section oh it's so good
0: i'm actually starting to cry right now i know <laughs> um the way you put that katie is <laughs> thank you <laughs> Um. so <laughs> then this is a little funny because Aragorn kind of just like rips the tree out of the ground he's like okay let's do this uh, and it says that the tree wasn't really disturbed and it came easily but then they they plant it in the court in Earth and it begins to blossom and the old tree they did not burn but laid to rest in Rathdynan which was the um, it's, it's where they lay the kings to rest yeah and then what actually happens is after this is the final thing because there was the day that we were told that Aragorn was looking forward to and we, you know, it kind of seems like it was the finding of the white tree. But actually, it was this day just before midsummer when messengers come to the city and there is a huge, huge uh, group of can- people who are coming.
1: Yeah, a, a rather large contingency of elves descends upon Minas Tirith. We have Elrohir and Eladon, and Glorfindel, Glorfindel and Aristor. And and so Glorfindel much, we touched on earlier. Mm-hmm, pretty much everyone from Rivendell.
0: And Lady Galadriel and Celeborn. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, and El more from Lorien. Near the end. And he is bearing the scepter of Anuminas. And next to him, beside him, upon a gray palfrey, rode Arwen, his daughter, even star of her people. And so Frodo had seen Arwen many, many, many moons ago back at the beginning of book two of The Fellowship of the Ring. And Frodo sees her and understands why, he says to Gandalf, "At last I understand why we have waited, this is the ending. Now, not day only shall be beloved, but night too shall be beautiful and blessed and all its fear pass away.
1: Because she's the even star.
0: And what happens? Oh, look. Elrond gives the scepter uh, to Aragorn and also the hand of his daughter. And basically this is the final passing of the torch from the elves to man. Um, Mm -hmm. And it says all the stars flowered in the sky.
1: But it's also like such a perfect symbol for... Okay, so you know, I've, you know, it, it ends with a wedding, right? Or I mean, not really ends because we we still have some more, but but um, you know, this this wedding like signifies, yeah, like you said, kind of the passing of the torch from elves to men, um, but also still this like a, a alliance between between the the free peoples. And, additionally. This kind of age of renewal that is happening um, you know M- Minas Tirith has been kind of in a in a state of re- rebuilding the past several days and it's like just the, the the elves passing the torch on to the men the men kind of rebuilding and moving forward and progressing and this you know what better way to symbolize it than with than with a marriage
0: and that's the end of this chapter and the only thing that is unfulfilling about this chapter is that a couple of pages earlier, Gandalf is like, oh, yeah, Bilbo is looking forward to the day just like Aragorn. Mm-hmm. But the chapter closes and we don't actually get any word on if Bilbo came from Rivendell with everybody else, mm-hmm. which kind of important, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. But uh, yes, this episode had turned out to be a lot longer than I thought it would, so I apologize <laughs> that I kept blathering on and on. But clearly, there was just so much to talk about here, so I'm not gonna draw anything out further. My favorite thing, other than all of the moments I exploded in joy, mm-hmm. uh, was just a little gossip from Yorath and the way that like the 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 ultimate truths were rendered through the fiction of her story.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite thing is like. <sighs> I could pick, like, a specific uh, bit from this chapter, but I think, uh, you know, one of the hallmarks of this chapter is just this idea of, you know, the starting of a new age. Um, We've seen progressively throughout the book, uh, the entire book, um, kind of signs of this, and uh, I think it just kind of comes to... um, like it's it's proclaimed in this chapter you know gandalf proclaims that this is the beginning of a new age this is the time of men and i like that it's kind of like a a, like a long a long play payout
0: yeah
2: chase uh probably my favorite bit we spent no time on this part um, at all. And it, it was actually a part I wanted to... I kind of like hung on to the most was the part where the eagle flew over Minas Tirith and was crying out about how everything was over and the everything's going to be good and everything's going to be great. And it's the first moment that Minas Tirith knows about this. That's my favorite bit. Mm-hmm. Primarily because... Um, we use that word apocalyptic a lot uh, when we were talking yeah. about the past few chapters. And this that part kind of like felt to me like a bit of the Book of Revelations from the Bible just happened. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like reminded me of the angels coming over the earth and saying, hey, everything is made new and well, badness is so, over.
0: Yeah, exactly. And in, I've talked about the ring cycle before at the end yeah. of God of Damarung when... Um, Uh, What's-her-face? Brunhilde sets fire to the World Tree. She sends forth crows to bring forth the news of the destruction and recreation of the world.
2: exactly. Yeah. So, So, that was uh, my favorite, because it's also kind of a surreal image. Um,
0: Yeah. So, um... I'm gonna, in, in the interest of keeping things short, I'm not really gonna recommend any favorites from the week. I don't have much to talk about anyway. But if you two want to quickly discuss this,
1: um, I, I mean, I, I don't really have a, rec- a recommendation per se from the week. I have a favorite thing, and that's that uh, over the holiday weekend I went with some friends down to New Orleans, and it was really fun.
2: Those were great pictures. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, so I recommend you go there and take pictures of the things and have fun. Did
2: you eat the best <laughs> food on city. earth? I did. Damn. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I mean, I guess
0: if we're talking about Labor Day weekend, which obviously was two weekends ago for when this episode for was listeners, released, yeah. this mm-hmm. previous weekend when we're recording, um, I mean, I spent the whole weekend with my best friends. The three of us bought a case of Prosecco, and that wasn't enough for us, so we had to buy more. Uh, (laughs) yeah that was nice i was very dehydrated by the end but that was nice um lots of smash brothers end of story chase
2: well i mean i actually got a labor day weekend which i haven't actually had a labor day weekend in a very long time and i was with a friend and she ran she was looking at uh broadway tickets for like two for one deals and she was like we're i've got a great deal right here for avenue q we're going to go see avenue q tonight and i was like i got nothing else planned so yeah let's do it so i went and saw avenue q so this is a not really recommend i mean recommendation favorite thing for something that's been out since 2003 but i finally got to see avenue q which if you don't know about is this like
1: it's so great yeah
2: it's yeah. this it's 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 this uh i want to say it, it's a musical a puppet based musical about like post-college life in new york i guess
0: a puppet-based musical is not something here yeah
2: <laughs> and what's great about it is it was way less cynical than i thought it was gonna be it's got like some cynical aspects to it but it's very sincere and that's what really surprised me well but um, that's
0: the thing is like cynicism and sincerity can go hand in hand and this
2: is a good example when, of when it does yeah
0: exactly um also, fun fact, uh, Jason Moore, the director of Avenue Q, is from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, where I Where the that. three of yeah, us right. met and forged our friendship.
2: I tell my friend next time also, I see her because I completely forgot about that tidbit because I did know that.
0: Also, his mother was my beloved preschool teacher. <laughs> and she lived in a yellow house just around the corner from my grandmother's house. And I used mm-hmm. to go over and knock on the door just to say hi. Nice. Yeah, you two know that um, Yellow House at the intersection of Razorback and Cleveland? That's where he grew up?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Hmm. So, also my mom used to babysit him. Apparently he was a, well, he was a kid and he kicked her in the shins. So enough of that. Uh, We have a quick note for our Patreon uh, patrons. We want to say thank you first off, as always. Um, There were a couple of declines this cycle in September, so... Uh, that's brought us down. Previously, we were like right at the edge of the merch tier. So, um, uh, apologies uh, on our behalf. We still want to offer merch. We just kind of need that buffer between what we're making right now and um, you know being solidly in that tier uh, before we can commit that money, because most of our income right now pays for Adobe. Uh, software to record and edit the show and uh, like Google apps for email and stuff like that so please just double check your card make sure the information is up to date and if you're not a patron yet please become a patron we make the show basically the show is possible because of what you do so uh, Katie is going to give, out, give you guys uh, the shout out as she always does
1: yes so thank you once again to all of our patreon supporters we appreciate you so 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 much uh words um thank you once again to ryan hepler brian osborne kevin reynolds dana victor jason savage mike williams anna dunlaney Ji fuo kyle thompson michael smith Tariq. Ignatius Pendergraph, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Adam Kahn, Charlie, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, Jacob Verma, and Michael Laney.
0: All right, so join us next week for chapter six, entitled Mini Partings. I think we can all imagine what some of these partings will be, and maybe some of them will be surprises as well. So, I am John.
1: I am Katie.
2: And I am Chase.
0: And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show.
1: We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience.
2: We also have a Patreon page where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge. And we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far.